talking and I'm not and I'm just <laughs> And then I'm talking <laughs> No, but wait, wait, I have something for him. Boom, you get shot down. Now you're just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. Concentrate on the news. That's what we do. Wow. <laughs> FYI, there's nothing wrong. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Weird History Eerie Tales Podcast. I am your host, Amosasauri, and with me as always is my brother Josh. Yo, what's good? And again, we lied, because last week we said this episode was going to be with Achi, and it's not. Because Achi's busy and whatever. That episode's going to come next week. This week, we're like, all right, what the fuck are we going to do? We're like, fuck you, why not revisit an old episode that a lot of people actually liked and told us, are you guys going to go back and revisit the subject? Do a second part or uh, and do give us... us uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. so that's what we're doing today. And if you haven't noticed, by the title of the episode, we are doing the worst ways to cure everything, part deuce. Part pa- what? Part deuce. Part deuce. Part two. And... um. This one's going to be a hilarious one, because if you thought part one was crazy, yeah, we're uh, we're getting this is more of a comedy. This one is, this I mean, this one's ridiculous. It's fucked up, but it's funny. You like energy drinks? I like energy drinks. I've dabbled, right? You dabbled. You're drinking what? Oh, well, you drank a Red Bull. Yeah, when Not, I was, uh-huh, earlier, earlier in the day. Now you're drinking a monster juice. I'm drinking a monster juice. These monsters contain a fuck ton of caffeine and some taurine. Correct? Bull nut. Right? Some bull nut. Some bull cum. Is that true? Uh, yeah. It is. Is it really? Oh. Like taurine's pulled from the testicles of a bull? I don't know. Continue. What if I tell what if I told you there's something more, something better than the caffeine and the taurin in this? What if I told you there was a drink that was the epitome of energy? It's energy itself. Radium. Radium. The radium dissolved into water. Which was a great product. Very popular in the nineteen twenties. What the fuck is radium? It's radium. All right. Right? Dissolved into water. So that chemical, that thing that gives you, literally gives every energy and shit that's so fucking uh, toxic with radiation was boiled boiled down into the very, to the very depths that created into water. The product was known as Rady Thor. Rady Thor. Rady Thor. They made you strong like Thor. Yep. Yep. Guess how much each bottle cost. This is the nineteen twenties? This is the nineteen twenties. I don't know, like five cents? Five cents? No, it's a dollar. Oh, that's a lot. That's that's it's like fifteen bucks. Imagine paying fifteen bucks for each can and drink it right now. I mean to go to Disneyland, you're paying Oh well that's fucking did you fucking <laughs> you breathe the air in there, it's expensive. Oh, right, fifteen bucks. And it wasn't just to give you energy. The manufacturer itself Claimed that it could cure other ailments that you were dealing with. Most popular one is or was impotence. I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it. Well, this was fucking popular with men, right? You got limp dick. You got a dummy gummy. You got. (laughs) You have a dummy gummy. You drink some of that ready Thor and bam, Thor and bam, in between your fucking legs. 
So not only would it give you energy, it will make your dick hard. And it was very popular in men. And to give you an example of a very enthusiastic customer who claimed that changed his life for the better good. His name was Eben Byers. Now, this motherfucker grew up in Pittsburgh, worked in an industrial commerce, right? That's where he was. Now, he became addicted to it, not because the drink had some addiction. But it was more of a psychological addiction. He believed that this cured all his ailments. He had a broken arm, drank this shit, cured. He was like, hey, he kept on telling his other buddies, yo, this shit changed my life. This shit get my dick hard. That dumb gummy you used to have? Not anymore, bro. That shit's hard. So he told people. He got into more people into it. Sadly enough, this didn't end in a good note. Byers' Radithor addiction had killed him. Can you take a guess why? <laughs> or what could have fucking killed him? So there was so much consumption. He will boast that he will consume this a, a bottle or two every day. Every day. And when you consume, I don't know, fucking toxic, radium. Toxic waste. <laughs> yeah, into your body. You either die or become the toxic avenger. Yeah, it will then go into your bones, into the bone tissue. You got cancer? And it will deteriorate oh. your fucking bone. And surely enough. His whole body became a dummy gummy. He, yep. He started producing holes all over his skull, his arms. Oh, from from the from, from all the yeah from all the, the holes of the yeah. Uh -huh. He lost his jaw completely. What the fuck? So it's like that like that one thing in Harry Potter where they try to fix his arm, and <laughs> the dude makes his arm disappear, like his bones disappear, so his arm is just like flabby. Uh huh. That was his whole body. It was mainly in his head, but yeah, it was throughout his body. And he just died in a gruesome way. He had other issues that developed from drinking too much fucking radium, right? But he claimed it <laughs> saved his life. So, fuck Monster. Fuck Red Bull. Let's drink some Radithor. I'll drink some. I can picture Radithor looking like, Mon like Mountain Dew. That's what I'm picturing it looking like. No, it looked like shit. It looked like a little brown, see-through, fucking uh, earwax type of apothecary. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Poor buyers. All right, let me ask you and the listeners a question. Okay. All right. Let's say you've had a headache that won't go away. Okay. Right? If I were to give you these four options. What part of the head, though? A headache. Just a headache. Just a random headache. Okay, okay. Which treatment would you prefer? Mm. Mm. One, a glowing red hot iron applied to your temple until it chars your skin. Until what? Oh, until it chars my skin. Okay. Until it chars your skin. All right. Sounds relaxing. Two, boiling oil dipped onto your forehead, making your skin die and peel off. Okay. Three, a glittering green beetle paste gooped onto your scalp until it blisters and then oozes. Ugh, okay. Or four, take some ibuprofen and just nap with a big titty goth girl. 
Huh. Yeah. Which one of those four would you choose? I don't know that that goop that green goop sounds uh sounds pretty fucking relaxing. Jesus Christ. This is all which one would you choose? Well, obviously four, you jackass, but god damn. Right. So, if you picked four, listeners, if you picked four, good for you. But if I had asked you this very same question 250 years ago, you'd only have the first three options to choose from. Hmm. Which is fucking insane, considering there were actually treatments. But I were really surprised. I mean, this is part two. And we all know how wild part one was. If you guys haven't listened to that episode, go check it out. And of course, these treatments were used for other ailments and not just headaches. You were they, these out these treatments were used from fatigue, for fatigue to all the way to love sickness. But as crazy and ridiculous as these treatments were, it all makes sense if you applied them correctly, such as using burning hot metal to stop bleeding, slicing through the flesh, to burn a tumor, to burn a tumor to death, or fucking scorch whatever's making a wound rot. Those are the correct ways to to solder things. Cautery is used in surgery today for many reasons. But for the last, oh, I don't know, a thousand fucking years, cauterizing wounds wasn't so sweet. Even when doctors' intentions were good, and knew, and they knew what the fuck they were doing. The tools they were using were still dick and made cauterizing a dick job. So, just in case you don't know what I'm talking about or haven't been paying attention, cauterizing is when searing flesh, so when you sear flesh physically with hot metal. So it's basically when you burn the fuck out of something, right? Mm-hmm. If you get a, we've all seen it in TV movies, whatever. Someone gets shot, someone gets, someone's bleeding, whatever. Someone. Some badass gets a blade, puts it in a fire, and then puts it over the fucking wound, and the guy's good, or he's like, all right, you stop the bleeding. That's called cauterizing the wound. That's called cautery. It's cauterizing the wound. Mm -hmm. So remember earlier. So right now, I just asked you a question. I gave you a few options. Well, if you would have conquered your inner bitch, which nobody did, and you would have chosen one of the options that was not option four, this is what you would have gone through. So let's say if you would have chosen option number one, which was a glowing red hot iron applied to your temple until it charged your skin. Let's say that's the one you wanted, right? Yeah. Let me get a number one. Yeah. Combo? The combo. All right. Nice. So the physician, the apothecary, the barber, the doctor, we're going to call them doctor barbers. What they would do is they would shove a long iron rod into a fireplace. And when the rod was red hot, Dr. Barber would lay it on your temple until it sizzled and fried your skin. Or if you had an open wound on your head, Dr. Dr. Barber would burn the open ends of the blood vessels until they closed, vaporizing the wound until it dried. And if everything went well and Odin was on your side, it would just leave a smoky char behind. Do you think he gave a countdown? One, <laughs> one, now. All right, so that's number, that's if you chose number one. Number one, okay. All right, so let's say you chose combo number two. Boiling oil dripped onto your forehead, mm. making your skin die and peel off. So this treatment involves burning flesh chemically with what they consider a gentler method to option number one. 
gentler methods, meaning acids and boiling oil. So first she would lie down while Dr. Barber heated the oil, and once it boiled, Dr. Barber would pour tiny amounts into a smaller vessel, and then from that little vessel would drip onto your forehead. But if the oil or liquid would melt or corrode the skin, Dr. Barber would place a tiny plaster on the area. So let's say he's let's say he's like burning and yeah. the skin's getting and the oil's burning too hot. What he would do is just grab a little piece of like plaster and put it over the wound or over the spot and then he'll melt the thing the, the oil onto that little area. Ironically, these gentler methods were a torture compared to cauterizing the wounds, considering these oils were a slow burn which was due to it taking longer time to dissolve and burn the tissue. So these were actually more fucked up and more painful. And the most fucked up about all of this is that this is all information on treatments working as planned. This is what you were doing. This is what was happening if everything went right. Hmm. If everything went right, you had a headache, someone took a fucking hot iron rod, poured it through your temple, and all you had is charred skin. Worked to perfection. You good. So when cauterizing, if the shard flesh stuck to the iron, uh. the wound would be torn open when the iron was removed Ooh. because the skin would get, to get stuck. And you were left bleeding with now an even larger wound. And sometimes when that would happen, he'd, cauterize it. <laughs> he'd bring a bigger iron rod. Oh, boy. But let's say the iron wasn't heated enough. Let's say it wasn't hot enough. Well, this could leave the patient having fevers, terrible scars, but most of the time it would just lead to death. I, I don't know how a less hot iron would kill you. But a good hot iron <laughs> but will the, cure you. It will cure you. Sometimes these fucking treatments wouldn't even fix the problem. When using the boiling oil, the oil might drip onto perfectly normal tissue because no one has steady hands, you know, because you, you're dripping it, right? Let's say you have trip, like trip. let's say you have like a little something like a salt something you try to melt off your forehead like off your top eyebrow. Yeah. Well, what happens if it doesn't melt, if it doesn't land on that? It lands on your eye, lands on your temple, lands somewhere else. Well, if that happens, these oils would immediately cause pains, inflammation, with other horrible symptoms. Like immediately, and it's a slow burning effect, so uh, it's gonna hurt. These treatments. They weren't extreme ones or back alley substitutions for people as the father of medicine. Hippocrates was famous for using these methods on his subjects. Really? Patients, not subjects, patients. <laughs> he, subjects, what the fuck? He was known for using red hot irons to incinerate hemorrhoids. Mm, spread them <laughs> cheeks. That was his thing. Yeah. He was famous for cauterizing hemorrhoids. This is what he said. This is quoting Father Medicine, Hippocrates himself. When the cautery is applied, the patient's head and hands should be held so that he, she, should cry out, for this will make the rectum project out more. Basically, Hippocrates said, Hold their asses down and make them scream because it'll pucker his ass out, his asshole out even more, making it easier to cauterize yeah. the hemorrhoid. Yeah, because we all have hemorrhoids. It's just 
none of them are inflamed. They're not aggravated. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But when they're inflamed, they're about to get flamed. Oh boy. Afterward, after he would fucking fire blast your asshole, <laughs> he would recommend a small poultice of lentils, which is like a little a small poultice, a little small tea bag full of like little peas. Yeah. And vegetables, and just okay. apply it to your seared asshole. So just like, oh, after you, after I fucking charred your asshole, make a soup, and just pour this shit in, and just and just chill, and, and you should be fine. And because he's the fucking Mister Madison himself, well, thank you, Mister Hippocrates. And uh, they go Thanks walk, for burning my asshole. Yeah, they go walking away like Magmar. It was Hippocrates himself that inspired hundreds of thousands of doctors, barbers. Or any medical practitioner into using hot pokers and making them a staple. Here's another one of his quotes. As many conditions as drugs do not cure, the knife cures. As many as a knife does not cure, fire cures. As many as fire does not cure, these have to be considered incurable. So they're saying, look, if drugs don't work, use a knife. The knife doesn't work, use fire. And if fire doesn't work, then this shit cannot be cured. Let the motherfucker die. Let, let this bitch die. Basically, if it breathes, it fucking bleeds. And if it bleeds, we can cut it to fix it or burn it to cure it. But if fire doesn't work, then throw the whole person away. That was Hippocrates' motto. One. That a fucking second century philosopher that went by the name of Celsus, he ran with. Specifically the part about fire curing everything. Mm, mm. His thing was to burn everything off that came to him. He would say that if an ailment hasn't changed in a while by itself, then one should just burn it off. Got a headache? Take a cautery iron to the head until the skin is ulcerated. Got a bad cough? Don't worry. Just let Dr. Barber cauterize you under the chin, on the neck, on the breastuses, and below the shoulder blades. Fucking A. You got epilepsy? Get cauterized. Passed out from a stroke? Cauterized. Mm. That was his thing. Then shit got worse for doctors, patients, and barbers when the 1500s rolled around. Why, you ask? Because fucking guns were now a fucking thing. And not only that. Remember, every doctor after Hippocrates took after Hippocrates. They did exactly as he did, or as close as they were able to mimic him. But now they're, they're, not, now they're in uncharted territories. They're on their own. Hippocrates didn't have to deal with gun wounds or bullet wounds. So they did what any rational professional would do in their situation. They fucking winged it. They're like, all right, we'll just try fucking everything with these bullet wounds, right? So, for example, during the third war between France and the uber-Catholic King Charles, a 27-year-old named Paris, he was deployed where he dealt with gunshot wounds by cauterizing the wounds because he thought gunpowder was poisonous. So when, I, so when I was reading this, I was like, yo, this is fucking wild. Because this is, if you rewind from when he's cauterizing bullet wounds, when the bullets were, when they were using guns, if you just rewind a hundred years back, 
We're dealing with Gilles de Rey and Joan of Arc fighting for France with swords during the Hundred Years' War. Yeah. And so, this, Gilles de Rey, this fucking, fucking pedophile demon fuck, fucker, and then Joan of Arc, they're fighting with swords on castles, and then you fast forward a hundred years later, and then, you know, the motherfuckers are doing drive-bys and shit. You're like, God damn, in just a hundred years. Yeah, so Dr. Paris, he, he thought, look, Bullets, they're fucking poisonous. So he's just cauterizing the shit out of everyone that came in. Oh, you got a bullet wounds it down. Cauterize, cauterize, oh, yeah. cauterize, cauterize, cauterization. He's just doing like critical hit, like fucking triple killed. He's just doing everything. And the reason his story of Perry is so important is because he proved finally that cauterization was dick when it came to being the and all of cures. Because before, doctors would cauterize someone, and then... You got limp dick, bam. Cauterized, oh, okay, it worked. And the dude just walked away, and the next person, it wouldn't work. So then, so they're like, oh, well, what happened? Like, oh, this person just it just didn't work on this person. And it, just, it, just, it was just this asshole. But now, Paris proved it, and this is how he proved it. Ah. He did his best. <laughs> right? He cauterized a dick load of shot soldiers and went to bed. Everyone was coming in because like all right, he's your he's your he's your war surgeon. You get shot, you get something. Go to him, go to him. So soldiers are coming to him in fucking mobs, right? And he's cauterizing as many and he's cauterizing as many as he could. And we need a medic. And then so so this one night, a bunch of people came in. He couldn't get to everybody. He said, "Look, I'll get to you guys in the morning. Just take this morphine, not not morphine, but like just take this. It'll probably dull the pain, or whatever." So these guys who didn't get cauterized, they're thinking they're going to die. Oh, fuck, he's not going to cauterize me. And the people that are cauterized, they're like, all right, I'm safe. So he went to bed. And then he woke up. Only to be awakened to seeing that the patients he didn't get to, the ones he thought wouldn't survive the night, they were recovering painlessly. While the patients he did work on, they had horrible pus-filled wounds. Ooh. So the people, so he, there's, a, so now here we have a split room where half the room he fucked with and the other half he didn't, and the half he didn't, they're like, oh no, I'm feeling, I'm feeling way better. Like my wound doesn't hurt no more. It's cool. The other guys that got gangrene, pus is coming out, Ooh. and they're, they're just fucked. And it was here that Pri was like, could Hippocrates been full of shit this what? whole fucking time? And that's how we found out the conversation was, you know, was full of sh- was full of shit when it came to being the end all be sure. all, yeah. right? But talking about being full of shit, let's talk about something called counter irritation. Counter irritation, right? So the year is eighteen eighty two. Okay. And Doctor A R Carmen of New York, he was consulting a patient who she who was going through it. She had been bedridden for weeks. She was a teacher, but she couldn't go to work because she had these violent headaches that wouldn't let her sleep, that wouldn't let her eat. She was just always in pain. So what did Dr. Carmen Dr. Carmen do? Cauterize. Did he give her a tonic to pep up her spirit and liven up her liver? He could have chosen snake oil, like we talked about in the first episode, or just straight up cocaine. Mm. Nope, he didn't do that. Did he give her drops of sedative to make her fall asleep and take a well-needed drug nap? Nope. Didn't do that either. 
He had a better idea. He gave her a series of burns up and down her spine. Because obviously, if I go to a doctor letting him know that I can't sleep and I'm suffering with headaches, I'm expecting fucking Dr. Satan to burn me up and down my fucking spine. So that's what he did. She comes in. My head hurts. I can't sleep. So instead of giving her, oh, you want the, you know, you want the sedative for you to fall asleep? No, you're tired. You want me to give you this, you know, this tonic for you to laven yourself up? No. I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna burn your fucking back. And you know how the patient. And you want. And you wonder how. And you. Do you guys want to know what happened to the patient? How the. What happened? What was the. What was the. What was the outcome of? What it? was the outcome of this whole thing? Her she, headache went away. She recovered. Astoundedly, as the doctor put it, his cautery treatment had her ass back to work the very next day. Oh shit! This is just me talking, right? But if it I was a but, if I got threatened to get seared over and over again with hot ass irons, if I stayed in bed a day longer, I'd be back at work too. Fuck these headaches. Like, you're going to burn. You're going to. This is my daily treatment. You're going to do this shit every day until I go back to work. I'm fine. I'm, I'm going back to work tomorrow. Would you look at that? My headaches are gone. And voila. Counter irritation via cauterization was now introduced to the world. I like that. Counter irritation. Yeah. So sometimes called counter stimulation. Mm. So the theory goes that it provides a source of irritation or stimulation to a part where the actual problem is. Okay. It draws the sickness elsewhere so the original area can heal. There's this famous case study uh, that was done on a man who had the frenzies. The frenzies? A brain irritation. Uh, He he might have been bipolar, mental issues, but they called it the frenzies. I like that. And he was cured by the casual application of fire to the lower parts. And this what do you mean to the lower parts? This is what I mean. Does your head hurt? Burn his feet. Oh, your feet hurt? Burn his head. That's ah. counter irritation. So this theory was tested unsuccessfully on coma patients. So like, all right, well let's just wake let's start waking coma patients up. He can't wake up, let's burn his feet. It didn't work. And it was used to try and cure depression and believe it or not, werewolfism. Wait, what? Werewolfism. 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 Someone thought was someone. Someone was believed to have to suffer from werewolfism, or someone believed to be a werewolf. They'll just counter. They'll just do some shit. I don't know what they did, but how to counter that? I, don't, I have no idea. I don't know. I have no idea. But they just said that fucking counter irritation was used to cure werewolfism. Mm. If you guys want to know how they cured it. Look it up on Google and then let us know. <laughs> so true practitioners of the counter-irritation movement swore and claimed that it would cure headaches and sometimes even paralysis. So it's wild to think that it was taken as seriously as it was and not just a horrible placebo effect. Counter-irritation seemed like nothing more than a distraction than the actual problem. Things got so out of hand with the counter-irritationism that doctors were, com- were recommending it for love sickness, for swellings of the temple, chest, ankle, under the lip, hips, and every other fucking thing you could think of. 
It was a huge thing for the medical community, but not so much for the patients. Like, no shit. I dare you to try and convince someone that this shit is not a terrible procedure. Speaking of terrible procedures, let's go back to my initial question, the one I asked earlier. So let's say you had a headache that won't go away. Which treatment would you prefer? We answered one and two. Now let's go for answer number three. A glittering green beetle paste gooped onto your scalp until it blisters and oozes. So, let's say you were a fucking masochist and you thought red hot irons to the skin was some bitch shit. So you chose option number three. Well, let me introduce you to the Spanish fly. Yes, the Spanish fly has a reputation of getting your little dummy gummy dummy hard. It's a aphrodisiac, right? But it's used. It's also used to fuck people up in the name of medicine. And this goes way back. So the beetle contains somewhere in its little shitty body something called cantharidin, which causes blisters when applied to the human flesh. You just grab this shit, throw it on someone's body, and immediately blisters. Immediately. Immediately. Like it was like in five minutes, wherever this shit touched you, you'd have huge blisters. A dispensary in the 1800s in London had a recipe containing a pound of beetle powder, a pound of wax, and a pound of lard. And this was used to create blisters by rubbing this paste on the skin on the area near the problem in order to draw it to the surface. So if you had something, if you had an issue, what the, what the, what the whole deal was is use this fucking substance, rub it on your skin until it blisters up. And now if you're asking yourself, why the fuck is that a good idea? Why did they think that was a thing? Like, why am I going to blister myself up on purpose? Right? So, before I get to that, here's a few examples of what I meant. So, if you had stomach problems, you'd blister your abdomen. If you had problems with the gout, you'd blister your lower legs. If you suffer from delirialism or frenzies or something, you put it on your head. And the part that was fucked up was that if you didn't put, if you fucked up and put too much of this fucking goop anywhere on you, the blisters would eventually cause gangrene, killing and blackening the flesh. And the fucked up part was that there was no, there was like no one knew what the fucking, what, how much to apply. It's like, all right, you want some of this beetle shit, right? Here's your bottle, $15, good to go, bye. There was no measurements, there was nothing. It was just like, it's just a guessing game, you buy it and you pour it on yourself. So the reason why they're doing this shit, why they're blistering themselves on purpose, was because... Many believe it's because it's many believe it was because of the specific medical textbook that was used that was printed in 1845. And it described that many illnesses, like the measles, for example, didn't improve until after the skin broke out. So instead of seeing this as a fucking symptom, the rash was thought to be that you were now on your way to healing. So they huh. thought if something was wrong with you, like the measles, the measles or any diseases or anything, they'd blister up, right? 
And then after they blister up, most of the time, if you, you didn't die, you'd get better. They thought you got better because of the blisters. They thought the blisters were bringing all the bad stuff to the top of the skin, sucking it out of your body, and then it'll just pop off instead of seeing it as a fucking symptom. Like, this is not what's healing you. This is just what happens. And they're like, all right, let's blister the fuck. Let's just blister us. Let's just blister each other the fuck up. So the bigger the blister, the more you thought you were strongly going to heal. Right, so if you, let's say you had a fucked up arm or something, and you put this goop on you, and you got big blisters, oh, that means you're going to heal like this, bro. You're going to heal. You're going to go back to normal immediately, bro. Look at all the bad shit that's being sucked out of your arm. That was was the fucking, that was the ration back then. Even though blistering had a positive light spin on it, it was still a dangerous procedure and was left. As a last resort treatment for fucking everything. Every blistering was used, but it was used as a last resort. Cauterizing didn't work. If fucking cutting it didn't work. If burning it didn't work. Then fuck it, let's just see if blistering will fucking work. Everything, and I mean everything from hysteria to drug addictions. <laughs> to drug addiction? Where... What would they apply that? In your f- well, it depends. What are you doing? Cocaine? Oh, but you were drinking cocaine back then. I don't know. Maybe you know how heroin they apply it into the little holes. Maybe. Jeez. So the art of co- of cautery, cautery, is still used today, even though it's a less helpful procedure now than it was before. Shout out to William T. J. Morton for trying to get high off his dentist's nitrous oxide and accidentally inventing anesthesia. So, we still use counter-irritation to this day. Huh. With rubbing salves like Icy Hot. That's a counter-irritation. You know, like something hurts, you rub a salve on it. Except this time you don't do it on the opposite end. But, you know, it's counter-irritation. They still cause burning sensations, but it's no fucking iron bar to the fucking temple. Yeah. It's no fucking blisters. Unless you're getting this shit from Mexico. Those motherfuckers burn. They do burn. Those fuckers they burn. They do burn. Right. And blistering is as good as dead in today's medicine, medicinal arsenal. Good, good. So like always, be glad you were born today. And if you're one of those, I was born in the wrong era, fuck you. Because I bet there are thousands and thousands and millions of people with a cough who were throating hot iron bars who would gladly trade places with you right now. <laughs> In this day of age. Where would you put that oozing, glittery beetle, whatever the fuck, if you had diarrhea? Would it be stomach? Or would it be your ass? Well, no, yeah, it was, if you had stomach problems, it would be in your abdomen. Okay. But that's the thing. Is diarrhea considered, back then, was it considered an ass problem or a stomach problem? Mm-hmm. Damn, imagine you go to your doctor and you're like, hey, yo... My little dummy's not working. I got something for you. And he gives you this shit. I'll pass. <laughs> Hard pass. But what if I told you there's a better cure to all diseases? It's like burning your asshole with a goddamn metal iron. Blister all over your fucking head. What if I told you you could cure all that by fasting? 
By not eating? By not eating. So, so for those who don't know what fasting is or intermittent fasting, it's when you don't eat or consume a good amount of calories, right, throughout the day. Usually people utilize this. Uh, we fast naturally when we sleep, right? Eight hours. That's eight hours of potentially not eating. People go probably a little bit more, 14, 16 hours, whatever. But what if you do this for days? Okay. I'd rather deal with whatever the fuck I'm dealing with and not eat chili cheese fries than <laughs> and eat chili cheese fries than not eat them and feel better. Okay. Well, they're called comfort foods for a fucking reason. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. But according to Dr. Linda Hazard, you're wrong as fuck, Moses. Because her methods and her belief in all this. But side note, she's really not a doctor. She doesn't have a license to practice as a doctor. Did you refer to her as a doctor? Because she will deal with she had a, an orthodox method. Because she had a fucking white trench coat. Mm-hmm. She believed that the root of all diseases lay and come comes from food, especially too much of it. Sounds like my mom. 1908, she self-published her own book. Stop eating, you fat fuck. <laughs> Which was called Fasting for the Cure of Disease. In this book, she wrote this. Appetite, appetite is craving. Hunger is desire. Craving is never satisfied. But desire is relieved when want is supplied. I thought, there was, that's I thought she was a doctor. She was speaking in riddles. Mm-hmm. Confused the fuck out of everyone. Confused me. At one point, I was like, what? what? Fuck, I'll take it. Now, she believed that every problem dealt with the digestive system. So she's like, hey, you need a fast to, quote, unquote, let your body rest. I mean, she was probably ahead of the curve. She was probably, she was dealing with gut health, which is now we know is fucking really important. Uh-huh. But the way she was going about no, no, no. it. Yeah, but there's more. There's more. It's not just fasting, okay? And it wasn't just intermediate 16 hours, 20 hours. It was like, oh, still a lot, but no, 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 no. Okay, so her fasting... More, it wasn't hours, it was days, okay? Um, what she told you to, so she'll she'll make you fast. She'll only make you eat, like, bra, right? Tomato soup, something, you know, soups. Yeah. Very little of it. And she'll provide you with daily enemas that lasted hours and massages. Oh, but hard massages. Ooh. It got to the point where the nurses, quote unquote, that were working in that facility where she, you know, had her subjects, patients, sounded like a beating. That's what I need, bro. I need someone to fuck me up. So <laughs> crack me like a fucking glow stick, bro. So to break down her method, right? You will fast. I will I'll give you examples of her clients and All stuff right. right now. But for the most part, you will fast for days, right? What you can eat was very minuscule, very minimum, which was just a little plate of soup, which is consumed of tomato and spinach and hot water. Yeah, just hot water. Okay. Enemas. So you'll get shit shoved up your ass, right? To flush out 
whatever illness you were dealing with. And lastly, they were beat your fucking stomach. Quote, unquote, this vigorous massage that you'll get. And again, according to the nurses and people that work there, it sounded like she would just beat the fuck out of if she, If she managed to bring down the levels of extremism from each one, that's on like a really high-end spa. You come in, we'll feed you, we'll give you a soup, we'll, we'll fix your gut health, we'll fucking give you massages, we'll give you enemas, you know what I mean? That yeah. sounds like a high-end like resort where you go away with your girlfriend for like a weekend after like five years of drug binging. Hey, and babe, you, you want to detox? And you just detox? That's like super... Let's go Dr. Hazard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If she would have just come, you know, she, she, she's out of 10. If she would have... If she would have came down to like four, she could have charged like a thousand dollars a day. Yeah. All right, continue. And unfortunately, people were desperate. Right? They're like, "Hey, the cauterizer didn't fucking work. The blazers on my head didn't fucking work. I need your help." Cool. Her unorthodox and surprisingly dangerous methods attracted a lot of people, so she had a lot of patients. Now, some of her patients, for the most part, died. And here's one famous patient of hers. The patient was an immigrant that goes by the name of Daisy Maud Hunglin, a Norwegian immigrant who died in 1908 after fasting, okay, fasting and applying all of these methods for 50 days. God. Under 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 supervision and care of Dr. Okay. Linda Hazard. So for fifty days. Fifty days? Fifty days. I would have I would have eaten Dr. Hazard. Yeah, fifty days. When she died, guess how much she weighed? Holy shit, how much how much she weighed? Guess. I don't know. This is what a little girl. This is what it's the a, early it's a full 19- grown woman. Full grown woman. 1900s. Uh-huh. This is right before the thickness movement rolled in. So she was probably like a good 60, 55 pounds, maybe. She was 70. Fuck. 70. Bro. Full grown woman who died of starvation and other complications that followed with that method. 70 pounds. I know there's somebody out there listening going, goals. Fuck you. Yeah. And reading reading about this and stuff and every sources I would look through, this immigrant, um, Daisy, she left behind, I think, like three sons, right? One of the sons. Again, uh, the the county she was in that was practicing, uh, Dr. Lizard, was in, um, was in Washington, right? Yeah. Up north. Yeah, up north. I forgot where exactly. But it was up north, right? Daisy, the immigrant who died under the care and supervision of that. So one of her sons, right, grew up, opened uh, a very famous, and till this day, uh, a seafood restaurant, which is kind of ironic because her mother died of starvation. Oh, this old restaurant. old restaurant, which to this day is still being run and under the name of that son's name, which is pretty cool. That's dope. Fuck, doctor. (laughs) And she had dozens of accounts of patients dying under her supervision. But people were dying. Yeah, people were dying left and right. right. Yeah, correct, correct. 
But on August 15, 1911, in the county of Kitsap, authorities finally arrested Dr. Hazard. And he charged her for the first degree murder for the starving of not just Claire Williamson, but the other patients. Finally caught up to her. Now, this is what Hazard had to say. This is how fucking delirious the fucking quote unquote doctor was. Hazard herself refused to take any responsibility for not just Claire's death, but for any patient who died under her supervision, her unorthodox methods of fasting. Now, she believed, and this is what she wrote in her self-published book, Fasting for the Cure of Disease, that, and I quote, death in the fast never results from deprivation of food, but is the imminent consequence of vitality sapped to the last degree by organic imperfection. So what the fuck does this mean? What? You don't die because you're not eating. You die because you're built like dick. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> In other words, if you died during her fast, during her method, and her cure of all fucking disease. because you were right, weak. It's because you had something that was going to kill you regardless. Oh. You can't unfuck what's been fucked. You can't. Un- you, you, you can't, can't unfuck what's been fucked, and you if can. you were fucked, you couldn't get unfucked. You can't get unfucked. That's true. And this is what she. Wait, and um, when when did her book publish? In 1908. And she was arrested that same year. 1911. So she she went on a rampant. So her, so she wrote all this shit after she got arrested. Before she got arrested. Yeah, this was in her book. 1908. So she, so she already knew she was. So she was already in the. Yeah, book. she was She's covering already, her fucking was, tracks. All right, yeah, 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 all yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's more drama behind this, but this is just, just for her unorthodox. That that sounds like it could be a full episode. We could just get into it. Yeah, like there's other claims of 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 all the patients, or most of her patients, or her wealthy patients that she would starve to death. It got to the point where. She was getting, like, estates from these individuals right before they died. They were like, how come they're giving her estates and shit right at the brink of that starvation, like, I'm about to die? So, she'll starve them, quote-unquote, and when you're in that state, you don't, know what the fuck. you don't know what the fuck you're doing. So, she's making them sign over everything. Yeah. Not everything, but good assets of what they own. No, but that's that's another story, and her husband is involved as well, and, and a bunch of bullshit. But that's for uh, that's for another topic. That's for another day. Yeah. So, Hazard, Doctor Hazard, was convicted, and she was sentenced to jail for twenty years. Okay, <laughs> but was released on parole two years into her sentence. But there's more. She was pardoned by the governor of Washington. Right, the governor was like, "Yo." We fucked up. I guess. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't, I don't know what the fuck the governor was thinking, but he pardoned the fuck out of her. All right? And banned her from practicing her, quote unquote, uh-huh. cure, cure of all in, ailments. In Washington. Mm-hmm. Right? But after she was pardoned, she opened up a school of health quote unquote school of health in which she still didn't practice it just taught it but taught it 
to other people. She's like, loophole bitches. Oh, boy. 1938, Linda Hazard, or a.k.a. Dr. Hazard, died of starvation while trying to cure her her illness utilizing her fatal methods. Well, she practiced what she preached. So... What a great ending. This stupid for bitch. Dr. Hazard. Hey, that goes to show you she actually believed what she was doing. Yeah, she actually believed that this she was kidding. Psycho bitch. And that's one of a quackery remedy by Dr. Lizard. Linda Hazard. Crazy. That's wild. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. Well, yeah. And she got this idea from another doctor years ago who was a patient of her. There's more to it, but yeah. That doctor also believed in some quackery shit. Some bush. I'm yeah. Science back then um, medicine back then was just like it was just this fucking wild west of bullshit. Mm-hmm. See what if you believed it, it, it's true. And God. oh boy did she fucking believe on in this uh from fucking drinking radioactive goop to getting hot irons, hot ironed in your, getting your temple and your hemorrhoids hot ironed, and then fasting for fucking fifty days. Today was a wild ride. Yeah, today was a wild ride. Which one do you think out of the three I mentioned, the cauterization, the beetle one, or the oil? Which one do you think hurt? Which do you think was the worst one? I'm going to say the oil one. Oh, well, fuck. The blister sounds horrible, too. I, I think that's the yeah, worst one, the blisters. Yeah. Because yeah. we've seen people get cauterized. We've seen people get fucking jackass did it, you know, in the ass. You know what I mean? So it's not that bad. Yeah, not to the fucking temple, though. Well, I mean. <laughs> or your yeah. asshole. I mean, there's a higher chance you won't die. But that fucking, uh, that beetle one, blisters. Uh, uh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna say the blistered one. I was gonna say the like the oil acid because it takes, it's a slow burning, uh, process. But just blisters, dude, in the matter of minutes, huge blisters. Hell no, nah, dude. And then depending on where you apply this shit, fuck. I'm thinking like my hand, oh, my arm. I'm thinking about the head, dude. How? Oh, hell no. Nah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But if you had to choose between those three, right, or the starving, the the very, I'm getting all three. Prolo- instead of, I'm getting all three instead of the starving. It's, one. Fuck it's you! Instead of fasting for fifty days, fifty. Fuck you! To cure any ailment, the only ailment that I'm gonna have is the fucking the, the fasting. That's gonna be the thing that's getting me the. Driving you want to chop down seventy pounds, bro? I, I a whopping seventy pounds. I'm gonna look ridiculous. I'm gonna look like a <laughs> fucking walking lollipop. Oh, big ass head and thin ass body. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And there's there's images of of uh, patients. Uh, I think like looking like that skinny. Yeah, just dude, it it's brutal. That's horrible. Like you would think she's already dead. But yeah, yeah, it sucks, dude. Fasting uh, for fifty days. See? Shit, I could barely last twenty hours of fasting. 20 mm-hmm. i'm going like from meal to meal i'm dying and shit <laughs> see this is see this is why i don't go to the doctors 
I don't know what kind of wacky shit they're going to try to do on me. But yeah, um, that's it for today's episode. This is, again, part two to our brief, to our worst way to cure everything. And again, this episode, this series of episodes couldn't have been possible without the book Quackery. A brief history of the worst ways to cure everything. You guys can find, um, you guys can look on the episode show notes and click on the link so you guys can buy this book. This book is fucking amazing. It's hilarious. And it fucking gives you all this information about fucking all the shit that people used to do back then in the name of medicine, mm-hmm. which is horrible. Horrible if you if you haven't. Aren't you glad you weren't born in that era? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. No air conditioners, no Wi-Fi, no Xbox Live, no Xbox, and and they're making me not eat for a month and a half. Fuck you, suck. Yeah, so um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, sorry, we, I know we we're supposed to do a full episode with the whole guy, the whole group again, but uh, we're if we if we waited for Achi, we're gonna. Here's we're gonna go this week without an episode. I'm like we we are. It'll be stupid we're of us far to too behind too. Yeah, it'll be stupid of us to be gone for almost two months. Put a, put out an episode and then saying we're back and then the next week we're gone. So I'm like fuck you. Let's just do another, um, another episode. Just me and my brother and just fucking catching up and just doing a part two to a subject that many of you guys have uh, asked us to do more of and have liked. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And um, do you have if you don't have anything else to add, uh, you can add us on on Instagram. We're history. Eritrea's body. You can follow the link on the episode show notes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you guys can rate and review us again, any every if you guys rate and review us, it helps the show grow. We're again, we're, if you guys are if you guys don't have an iPhone, you can listen to us on Spotify. We're on there too. Um, with that being said, um, thank you guys, and as always, we are the Weird History Eritrea's Pod.